0: Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings for today are from the third Sunday of Advent, a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners to announce a year of favor from the Lord, and a day of vindication by our God. I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the joy of my soul. For he has clothed me with a robe of salvation, and wrapped me in a mantle of justice. Like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, like a bride bedecked with her jewels, as the earth brings forth its plants, and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. My soul rejoices in my God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. My soul rejoices in my God. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy. My soul rejoices in my God. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Test everything. Retain what is good. Refrain from every kind of evil. May the God of peace make you perfectly holy, and may you entirely, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will also accomplish it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted, and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So that we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It is often said that there are two kinds of people in this world, those for whom the glass is half-empty and those for whom it is half-full. I've always thought I was a glass-half-empty kind of guy, a realist or a pessimist maybe, but other times I think maybe I'm a lot more optimistic and hopeful than I'd like to admit. Today's readings, however, make me realize that neither position is the right one, because as a true Christian, my entire being should exude the overwhelming reality that my cup overflows, as it says in. Psalm 23. The theme of this third Sunday of Advent every year is galdete, which means rejoice. It's both a command and a reminder of the joy that should pour out of the Christian soul into the world around us. I dare to say it's a giddiness, an unflappable optimism, inspiring to those who believe, or at least want to believe, a curiosity to the agnostic, and maybe a necessary annoyance of sorts, to those with no sense of divine love, mercy, and providence. This Advent season actually gives us a non-biblical model to observe, even in our defiantly secular culture, the eager expectation of our own children as Christmas gets closer every day. On Christmas Eve, as you know, children cannot help but be so excited that they can hardly sleep. Why? Because Santa Claus is coming. It's not a matter of if, but what time. It's true that for weeks, parents have reminded them that Santa only brings presents to good little girls and boys. The kids have been pretty good, but there have been a few meltdowns, smudging the scorecard a little bit. But no matter. It's now all in Santa's control. And the kids know that, while they might not deserve it 100%, Santa always comes through. Kids celebrate what we adults often forget. Our cup overflows. The exiles returning to Jerusalem needed that reminder. The author of the third section of Isaiah's prophecy preaches to the people returning to Jerusalem after generations of servitude in Babylon. Last week, we heard the author of the second part of Isaiah making some pretty big promises to the early exiles about the return to the promised land when their uh, trial came to an end. Mountains leveled, valleys filled in, all obstacles to redemption redemption removed. Now that they're back, though, they're seeing a half-empty glass. The temple is gone, the houses are crumbling, and years of drought reduces many families to poverty. The land they once lived on and farmed is now occupied by others. Such, quote-unquote, freedom doesn't seem very promising. But the prophet assures them that their cup is overflowing. He says, Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God. The Lord God has in fact clothed his chosen people in royal robes, sending them to bring glad tidings to all the nations. It seems the road he paved for them, leading them back from Babylon to Jerusalem, goes both ways. Israel, his bride, is now empowered to go forth from the new Jerusalem as joyful heralds to the whole world. It was a mantle granted, but not readily accepted and perceived. Centuries later, however, two faithful witnesses— one Mary of Nazareth, and the other one John, son of Zechariah, find their own vocations in Isaiah's ancient prophecy. Mary, in fact, echoes the prophet's words in her response to her cousin Elizabeth's greeting, which we hear in today's responsorial song. She says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. The young Mary, bearing her, ser- her Savior in her womb, rejoices just as Isaiah says would happen. Mary proclaims that the Lord is now fulfilling his promises of justice and mercy, and she herself is evidence of the Lord's faithfulness. But this is through no merit of her own. The Lord has anointed her, in fact, as the angel Gabriel foretold, when he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, Mary's cup overflows. Our contemporary image of John the Baptist Unkempt, dressed in animal skins, and preaching in the desert, obscures the fact that he was no scrub. His father, Zechariah, was a temple priest of, as um, St. Luke tells us, the priest of the priestly division of Abijah. And his mother, Elizabeth, was from the daughters of Aaron. All chief priests were descendants of Aaron. In other words, John is destined for great things, perhaps one day to be the chief priest himself. And yet, John aspires to no such lofty position. Instead, his cup overflows in following a humble, yet paradoxically more exalted call. As he says, he is the voice of one crying out in the desert, 'Make make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. John has a ton of disciples of his own, but he's clear when he says, I am not the Christ. He uses an image that's strange to us, but very meaningful to his listeners. When he says, There is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. But what do shoes have to do with it? Sandals. According to Jewish tradition, to remove the sandal was a symbolic act, claiming the right to marry a woman who previously belonged to another man. In other words, what John is saying is the new Israel, the church, is the bride of Christ, and John instructs his disciples that they must soon leave him to follow the the rightful bridegroom. In other words, he doesn't have the right to remove the sandal of the Christ because he doesn't have the right to take Jesus's bride, the church. As John says later in John's gospel, he must increase and I must decrease. John, he who is of impeccable priestly pedigree, is like Mary, A lowly servant of the Lord. And yet he declares, The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The best man who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made complete. John rejoices in his servanthood, and with good reason. The burden of Israel's redemption is not his to carry, a role that, in fact, he himself has no power to fulfill. Yet, The Lord God fills John with the Holy Spirit so that he, like Mary, is a part of the fulfillment of the promises of a faithful God to his children. In other words, John's cup overflows. As excited as the little ones are on Christmas Eve, there are those who are perhaps even more joyful Santa's helpers. You know who they are, right? They're the ones who help Santa by assembling what needs to be assembled, wrapping what must be wrapped, maybe even funding some of Santa's generosity. After all, Santa isn't Warren Buffett, and he's getting older, so he can't be expected to do all the heavy heavy lifting himself. The helpers know that while they don't create the joy of Christmas, they share in the fun. To see the awe and happiness in the eyes of children, and to know you played some small part in it, is such a blessing. Santa's helper's cup overflows. So as St. Paul reminds us, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the Son of God is coming to town. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, and say a prayer for you.